0: I had a sister who had five children who perished in the genocide. In
1: 1994, during the Rwandan genocide, an estimated 800,000 people were killed.
0: Genocide wiped out my family that stayed in Rwanda. They were all killed.
1: And the story we hear is from the people who survived.
0: There was no one left to tell the story.
1: The world watched, but did not stop the slaughter. Now, two new reports are blaming France for enabling the genocide.
0: France was a financier and military arms provider in the fighting.
1: That's David Hibara, a former member of Rwanda's government. He's now in hiding, but he was willing to share his story with us and the role, he says, that one of the world's superpowers played in it.
0: You cannot be a referee in a match and be a player at the same time.
1: What can these reports tell us about the importance of the narrative around the genocide and what it has to do with how President Paul Kagame is running the country today? I'm Malika Bilal and this is the take.
0: Um connected now.
1: I'm going to start by acknowledging the connection with Dr. Himbara is not perfect.
0: Yeah, I'm David Himbara, born and born.
1: David Himbara is in hiding. The reason for that will become apparent. I just ask that in the meantime, you bear with us.
0: Grew up initially in Uganda as a refugee, but moved to Canada. That's where I grew up, did my education. I'm an economist by trade. I have taught in various universities, consulted with uh, international organizations, the World Bank, African Development Bank.
1: Dr. Himbara has also written several books on Rwanda, including Kagami's Killing Fields and Kagami's Economic Mirage. It's no secret that he's a critic of Rwanda's president, Paul Kagami, but that wasn't always the case.
0: 2006, seven, eight, we did amazing reforms.
1: From 2006 to 2008, there appeared to be some promise of reform. That was a little more than a decade after the Rwandan genocide. But before we go further, you'll need to understand the history.
0: A little bit of background. So Rwanda used to be a kingdom led by Tutsi.
1: The country of Rwanda is majority Hutu, with a Tutsi minority.
0: However, historically, the two groups were not divided by ethnicity, but by class. I'm an ethnic Tutsi, so I'm told. The Tutsis were seen as the elites, the Hutus as subordinates. Then came colonialism.
1: First, there were Germans. Then Belgium came in before 1920. Both colonists implemented ethnic hierarchies, with Europeans at the top. A bloody revolution led to independence in 1959.
0: The Hutu now became the rulers. 5960 is when people like me and the current leaders of Rwanda, the Kagamis and so on. That's when we fled as refugees.
1: Among the many Tutsis who fled to nearby countries were Dr. Himbara and Paul Kagami, both toddlers at the time.
0: Uganda, Burundi, Congo, and so on. Fast forward into the 90s, the Rwandan refugees decided that they had enough. If the Rwandan government would not accept them to return after 30 years or so, they would force their way in.
1: The Rwandan Patriotic Front, or RPF, was born and led the charge for a return to their homeland.
0: So the Rwandan Patriotic Front, led by the current president of Rwanda Kagame, forced their way back into Rwanda with arms.
1: And that led to civil war. From 1990
0: to 1994, this civil war was involving basically the two armies: the government, led by General Juvenal Habyarimana, the Hutu leader,
1: and on the other side was Kagame,
0: fighting with the RPF, the former exiles.
1: So I asked Dr. Hembara where France fit in.
0: So France came on the side of the government of, of Rwanda. So now, how then this explodes into outright genocide was provoked by the shooting down of the aircraft that was carrying the president of Rwanda, Juvenal Habyarimana, and his counterparts. They were shot down. That basically exploded the whole thing to so outright genocide. The massacre now of Tutsis, as well as moderate Hutus that were not approving of the massacres,
1: This is what Rwandan survivors remember from those days, when Hutus, who were once neighbors, became their enemies. In the army, they told us
2: that our president had been killed by the cockroaches, and they gave us orders to rescue our country from the enemy. They said on RTLM radio that every interhamwe should get a machete and kill all those who differed from him in ideology and tribe, whether woman, man or child. No one should be spared. I remember there was silence. People were scared. They were not talking. People were hiding. I and my brother hid under the bed until an interhamwe came and pulled us out. Some of them were people the we knew, our neighbors.
1: Himbara was still a refugee, but he had a lot of family in Rwanda, including his oldest sister.
0: The sister got married and, and she had five children.
1: Many Rwandans were killed by their own family members, Himbara says.
0: That was a quite a common thing. Because you see, if you don't act according to what is expected of you, by killing the enemy, then you also be attacked. So they had to do it.
1: The commission set up by the French government has found the country bears overwhelming responsibilities over the 1994 Rwandan genocide.
2: The investigative report commissioned by the government of Rwanda focuses on France's relations with Rwanda before
1: 1990 until the genocide against the Tutsi occurred in 1994. Two different governments, the government of France... And the government of Rwanda came out with two reports. Rwanda will also have a word to say about the genocide and about that time period. And both of them implicate France. The findings we have in our hands. But before we get to the reports, Remind us of how the government of then-French president, François Mitterrand, was connected to Rwanda.
0: So Rwanda, during the, the government of Mitterrand, Rwanda became much, much closer to France. But most importantly, the two heads of state, Mitterrand and Juvenal Habyarimana, became very, very close friends. France used to say that Rwanda was a star pupil and that the regime of Rwanda was visionary, it was developing. They pumped money there, pumped investment. So the French role in in, the rwanda nigerian side involved financing the regime during the Civil War in 1990. It provided military arms in large quantities throughout the conflict. It provided military advisors and soldiers that are shown to have participated in the war on the side of the genocide regime. They owe the people of Rwanda an apology for having embedded themselves in tragic, calculated murder.
1: So these reports appear to be a reckoning of that history, of that relationship and what it brought. The one sponsored by the Rwandan government is a little over 600 pages, and it says France enabled the genocide. The report commissioned by the French government is about 1,000 pages, and it says that Paris bears some responsibility, but that it wasn't an accomplice.
0: The one by Rwanda, researched and uh, published by a group of lawyers hired by the Rwandan government, they insist and document that France was a financier and military arms provider as well as training, as well as an an active participant in the fighting in the civil war and in genocide itself. So now let's now move on to the other uh, report. The French one had access to all this archival material. It shows the financing, the training, the quantity of arms that went to Rwanda, the number of military officers at the war front during the killing, the roadblocks that trapped Tutsi. The report actually shows how the, the operation ends up not saving the Tutsi, but rather protecting the killers and also creating an escape corridor through which the leaders of genocide escaped. OK, The problem of the report is that it concludes basically the opposite of its finding. <laughs> basically, it abandons its own research by saying that France has its overwhelming responsibility of genocide in Rwanda. However, it's not an accomplice of a genocide. The conclusion is totally unacceptable. It's outrageous. Basically, it's a
1: sham. So, your view on the two reports is that players that were involved in the genocide are responsible for commissioning the report.
0: Yes, absolutely. You cannot be a player and a referee at the same time.
1: But why did these reports come out now, 27 years after the genocide? The French report was first commissioned two years ago by Emmanuel Macron, France's current president. And it builds upon his predecessor, Nicolas Sarkozy's departure from the tense French-Rwandan relationship of the past.
2: In 2010, former President Nicolas Sarkozy admitted France made some errors, but he stopped there. Emmanuel Macron wants relations between Paris and Kigali to improve, but he knows that for that to happen, France must face its past.
1: Western diplomacy has been colored by its failure to intervene and stop the genocide. Paul Kagame, who became president following that horrific period, was initially the darling of the international community. But the longer he stayed in power, his grip tightened and dissent was muffled. Now, according to Dr. Hembara, the support is shifting away from Kagame. Let
0: me
2: say that Kagame welcomed this report. Because it marks an important step toward a common understanding of what took place. It also marks the
0: change. It was like a great photo opportunity. The Americans and the British who have been supporting him through Clinton.
1: Bill Clinton, who was U.S. president during the time of the genocide, honored Kadami.
2: I'm greatly humbled to receive this Clinton Global Citizen Award 2009. George
0: W. Bush and Barack Obama, out of the guilt of not having supported genocide, he was dali. But during the, 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 the Trump period, <clears throat> the relationship of, the, of Rwanda fell on the West side. So he started looking for new patterns. So, so the, 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 that, it was not by accident that Kagame began now to warm up with the, the French. The only reason that holds caused back France from doing the right thing, for accepting the responsibility, they know according to the international law, if you accept being an accomplice, to genocide, there is serious consequences of reparations, of the damages. This is why they crafted the phrase that France was blind. These things took place, but France was blind.
1: Macron is scheduled to visit Kigali before the summer. It would be his first visit, and the first visit of a French president since 2010. And critics like Dr. Hembara say this cozy new relationship is undermining the justice they seek.
0: So now, to Kagame and his friend Macron, we do not accept your reports. The only report that will be accepted by not only Rwandans is what happens everywhere where a crime of this magnitude takes place. We have the UN Convention Against Genocide. It is only under the U.N. that a credible assessment of what happened in Rwanda can take place.
1: But experts we spoke to said an assessment by the U.N. is not very likely to happen. In fact, in 2003, the U.N. Security Council voted to replace the prosecutor tasked with meting out that justice, Carla Del Ponte, who was hotly pursuing Kagame's abuses. She was against the splits, uh, and she expressed her her reservation in uh, many occasions.
0: President Kagame does not allow any dissent from whatever quarter.
1: Kagame is now accused of crushing dissenters, past and present. But it's something he denies. This is what he said on Al Jazeera in 2014. What is
2: for sure is that... uh there are such a people that have been carrying out uh, terrorist uh, activities against our country, and uh, our people have suffered on the hands of these people.
1: Most recently, Paul Rousasabeghina, the hotel manager who saved over 1,000 people during the genocide, hiding families and children in the rooms of the Mil I will give you 100,000 francs. The story was later made famous in the Hollywood movie Hotel Rwanda.
2: I don't have it here. At the Mikolin, I can get it
1: for you. Just last September, his lawyers say he was kidnapped in Dubai and flown back to Rwanda, where he remains in jail. Has Rwanda broken international law by abducting an exiled dissident? Johnson Busingye? thank you for joining me on Upfront. After an interview about this incident with Al Jazeera, the Al Jazeera program up front, the team for Rwanda's Minister of Justice mistakenly sent Al Jazeera a recording. Including a practice interview the minister did with his PR team on how to answer questions about Rusesabagina's case. Be cautious about This that, is from that practice, practice interview. They put out a press release about the interview whatever, so mm-hmm. they'll be looking for nuggets of hard stuff. For example, saying, I have no idea who paid. Our colleagues at front asked the minister back to answer some follow-up questions. You do know who paid for the plane that transported Mr. Ussessa Bagina to Rwanda. The conversation you had with your advisors
2: was, with, was whether or not disclosed. it. Who did? Tell me who did. But did,
0: did I tell you yesterday that I don't know who paid?
2: I'm, I'm asking who, who paid?
0: The government
1: paid. Mr. Begina had reported President Kagami to a Rwandan war crimes tribunal in 2007 for crimes he said Kagami's forces committed during the genocide. Now, the Rwandan court has accused him of terrorism. Freedom House, an American pro-democracy organization, recently ranked Rwanda as one of the top abusers of so-called transnational repression, saying it's, quote, physically targeted Rwandans in at least seven countries since 2014, end quote. We asked Kagami's foreign minister for an interview, responding to the two genocide reports and to Rwanda's record on dissent. They denied our request. But just a few weeks ago, commemorating the 27th year since Rwanda's genocide, Kagami said this.
2: You know, it's funny because among those who are undergoing trial, there are those who have been living outside, protected, one or the other. And it is all connected with the story of denial, of distortion, of fabrication, of all kinds of things.
1: I turned back to Dr. Hembara to ask him for his thoughts. What is your take, hearing all of this, knowing what you know, on how dissent is being treated by the president's government right now?
0: Could nothing, if this is
1: routine. Remember when I apologized for the quality of Dr. Himbara's connection? He's about to tell you why it's been so hard to get a good recording.
0: One of the reasons I didn't use my computer to talk to you, I have actually recently fled from my house because we discovered that they know where I live. They? They in government. So me, I have fled.
1: It's a way of life that's become familiar to him.
0: I fled Rwanda to South Africa.
1: He remembers when he worked for Kagame just over two decades ago as the head of strategy and policy. Things started out well. He felt like he was helping reform the country. Then, in 2009...
0: Two things happened, which convinced me that I should leave Rwanda I never, never come back. The first thing I witnessed, Kagame invited the senior officials to sit in his office, and then... He called in the director of finance in the office of the president and An army captain in charge of security. And he asked them where they bought curtains in his office. He said, no, you did not buy them there. They said, no, we bought them there.
1: Yes, curtains. It's a story he told The New York Times. For him, it's the story of Kagame refusing his staff's narrative. Even for something as simple and seemingly inconsequential as curtains.
0: Then he says, "Lie down." Then uh, the soldiers bring like sticks. Kagame beats these people until he gets tired, and then the soldiers take a turn, and he's trying to have them to agree that they bought curtains in the shop where he says they bought. me, I was crying, I, I, I was crying throughout. Uh, and in fact, I said, you know what, we better call ambulance because this, 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 one of them fell down when he tried to stand up. He says, you sit down or, or, or else you'll be the next.
1: In the second incident, Himbara says he disagreed with Kagami in a meeting, and it didn't go well. After the meeting, Himbara fled to South Africa, and he says Kagami threatened him.
0: And he said, you better come back because there will be serious consequences. Now, serious consequences, I did not understand it at the time. But serious consequences means death. Because you see, in October 2013, I was in my house in Johannesburg, conversing with this guy called Patrick Karajaya. Guess what? On New Year's Eve of that year, Patrick Karajaya was dead.
2: Another of President Kagame's former senior officers turned exiled dissident Patrick Karagea was murdered in a hotel room in Johannesburg. Other opponents have perished in similar circumstances.
0: And that's when I fled uh, 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 to Canada.
1: But even there, he's been advised to follow a strict security protocol.
0: They said the likelihood of somebody coming to kill you here in Canada is zero. But the possibility of putting something in your drink is high.
1: So he avoids meeting with his fellow Rwandans, amongst other things. But despite his precautions, very recently, he got a letter that made him think the Rwandan government knew where he was. I got my envelope
0: and I ran from that house, my house. I'm now in an apartment. Uh, so I have le- this is just recent, just, just the other day. Because, you know, I realized that they know where I live. There's no way that I can stay in that place. So this is ongoing. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop.
1: You are surviving. Mm. You are. I have a final question for you. What would you like to see happen in Rwanda? What
0: I'd like to happen is uh, a different ending in Rwanda for once. But still there's hope that the ending will be different so
1: that this man can face the law. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters, with Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, Dina Kispe, Nigeen Oliay, Priyanka Tilve, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Our script editor is Tom Fenton. And our executive producer is Stacey Samuel. We'd also like to thank Michaela Wrong, the author of Do Not Disturb, a book about the murder of Patrick Cara Geyer. Special thanks also to our own Malcolm Webb. We'll be back on Friday.